Hola, mi gente. In this episode, we will be meeting Jimmy Cabrera, a licensed clinical social worker based off of Los Angeles, California. He shares with us about his childhood, his journey in coming out to his family, and the struggles he faced to find his passion in life. We also get to speak on what services he provides. And just trust me when I say... We all need a Jimmy in our lives. <laughs> he has great energy and makes you feel comfortable right away. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Don't forget to send us your questions, your stories, or your thoughts by visiting embracingmymarkings.com. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excited for today. I, oh I'm, I'm very excited. So, um, Let's start with who you are. If you can share with everybody where they can find you on social media first. Uh, my main, I have two social media handles. So my main one is Jimmy the Alchemist. So it's Jimmy underscore dot, uh, sorry, start over. Jimmy <laughs> underscore the dot alchemist. Okay. Or Jimmy underscore the dot alchemist. And then uh, my other one is Jimmy Cabrera Therapy. Let me just make sure. Um, that, and I'll go ahead and put a screenshot of his social media handles as well as you're yeah, seeing them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he does have also a website, JimmyCabreraTherapy.com. Yes. I really like your website. I really, oh, really you. like it. That logo, did you design that logo or was it designed yeah. for you? No, the little gold circular one. Yes. Yeah, I designed that myself. Yeah. I love it. Good Thank job. Had a, a lot of meaning underneath it. So, yeah. can you explain that? Yeah. So, I came up when I was coming up with my business, um, Jimmy Cabrera Therapy. I was just sitting literally in like in a coffee shop and I was writing down all the values that I wanted to incorporate as like, sort of like a mission, vision statement, like what I wanted to found my business on. And the first thing I wrote was love and healing. And then it was just a bunch of other, like just different values, like always doing the highest and greatest good instead of like a business that like seeks to, you know, just make profit. profit. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make uh, an impact, like a positive impact. So I just listed all the values and then I came up with like um, a statement that incorporates all those values into like, I want to create a social business that incorporates all these values. And then I it's this whole process where you like take all the letters and you cross out the vowels. It's this whole process. And then you make a, a circle and you put all those letters into the circle. Yeah. So all those values are embedded into that, that symbol. That is so awesome. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, that is so beautiful. And now yeah. knowing that it's different, um, basically all of your mission into it. That's yeah. so unique. Good. Yeah. Great job. Thank you. Great job. And I feel like, you know, because this is the first time that we're having you here on the podcast, I want to get to know your background. Um, so I want to know, you know, where were you raised and what did that look like? What was Jimmy, little Jimmy like? <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually what everyone calls me because my dad is Jimmy Sr. Oh, so, okay. I, See? <laughs> actually, little Jimmy. Um, I grew up in California, Santa Maria, California. It's um, on the central coast. So in Santa Barbara County, if people are familiar with that. Um, very beautiful place in, yeah, in California. Very beautiful um, in Santa, Santa Barbara. I grew up in more of like a, like, there's more agriculture, like Mexican, Filipino neighborhoods. Um, and uh, yeah, really quiet, not much to do, but yeah, beautiful beaches everywhere. Just like 15 minutes away, 10 minutes away. So it was, a, it was a beautiful place. Um, my mother and father split up when I was a baby. My mom was young and was working. And so I grew up basically with my grandma a lot. My mom and my dad, my dad was not in the home, but he wasn't far away. So okay. I, it wasn't, okay. I didn't have a father. I visited him on the weekends and, um, and my mom and, and he had a great relationship. Just they were separated. Okay. So, so but great co-parenting. Co yeah, before co-parenting was actually like a term that was used very. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. awesome because that's for your well-being. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So so that was so that was that was good. Um, my mom worked a lot and she worked often at night. She was a bartender. She's actually still a bartender now. Um, and 
and I can get into like the values she instilled in me as far as like, as a bartender, you, you just kind of be kind and compassionate to all the patrons you, you see, no matter who, what their background is, whatever. So she always kind of like imparted that on me. Um, but anyway, I grew up with my grandma at my grandma's house. That was my house, my, my room. Um, so you can imagine growing up with a, a grandmother, it's kind of, um, she's a grandma. So she would spoil me, even though I would never mm-hmm. that, um, I could do no wrong. <laughs> yes. I feel like that's the grandparents job, yeah. you know, to whatever they didn't do with their children, they do it with their grandchildren. Yeah. 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 And I was her first grandchild. So my grandma was also a young grandma. She was, I think, must've been in her forties. Wow. She- <laughs> grandma. So I had a young grandma, young mom, and the only like kid in the house. So I just, you know, I was pretty quiet. Uh, so little Jimmy was just pretty quiet. I like to draw, play video games, um, kind of stick to myself. I didn't really play too much with like neighborhood kids, um, I Is that just, because they didn't let you go outside and play or just you couldn't, it was hard for you to relate to others? Probably, no, they didn't. It wasn't that I wasn't allowed. Um, I guess probably more so that I couldn't relate to others. Okay. Um, I was just, I think by nature, just quiet. Yeah. Um, and as and, an only child, I could just imagine you being, you know, as you mentioned so far, you're being raised by adults. So having that connection with children, you know, it's kind of hard. Yeah. 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 Okay. And eventually, so I was an only, I was an only child until I was like nine years old or so. And then, and mom had my sister. Oh. Yeah. So we, and then I have another brother who's 10 years, who came 10 years younger after that. So we're really spread apart. Okay. So you want to know something crazy? And I've I've spoken about this on the podcast, but um, I'm the third of four. Mm -hmm. My brother, my older brother, the first one, he's 11 years older than me. My sister's nine years older than me. Mm -hmm. And then my younger brother's eight years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So we're all like across. So that's another thing that we can connect on. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So. I tell people that I grew up as an only child, but I'm not an only child because like all those foundational that like from like zero to nine or whatever. And then, and then my sister was a baby for you know a while. So <laughs> then I still got all the attention and, and the, um, yeah, more, yeah, just all the attention. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, where was, it? Oh, so that I guess, um, one important thing is like, I went to a private school, a private Christian school. Um, my mom and my grandma, you know, co-raised me and my dad, um, they didn't want me to go to the public school because they would see, I guess in like the eighties and nineties in that area, there was a lot of gangs and a lot of like, they would see the kids walking home from school, just like throwing stuff and fighting. And so they didn't want that for me, especially being like this first, first grandson and first child. They wanted the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom just worked her butt off, um, you know, so she could pay the tuition every month, but I was one of very, very, very few brown kids in the school. It was all white kids with a mom and a dad who were married and had, you know, regular jobs, like not a bartender, not a single mom bartender and, uh, you know, nice shoes and went on vacations. And um, how was that, Jimmy? Because you're you're saying it so casually, you know, and I'm sure because, you know, the story. But me hearing that is like. It, it, it kind of breaks my heart because then did you feel like you couldn't connect with them either? It's, uh, I mean, I guess I haven't had enough therapy if, about this. And I know you're not uh, trying to okay. get that. Okay, it, it okay, okay. It makes me feel something now. Um, but yeah, I, because I know the story, it just comes out really casually. But yeah, definitely. It Looking back now, I can appreciate how I was. Maybe I wasn't just quiet. Maybe I felt inferior out of place that's a strong word that's a strong word yeah maybe maybe that is a a, the feeling i felt um and it's it's so stupid and so materialistic but i always had like pay less shoes and then like the my like guy friends at school all had like you know nikes and different nikes jordans jordans yeah and Mm -hmm. i didn't 
and my mom like uh she did was doing the best she could yeah, you know yeah so it's it's a lot of feelings of like and and i don't i don't think um you know you say it's stupid but at that age being young and when you're surrounded by that you know at, now as an adult you might seem like well that wasn't really important you know what i mean like that kid that was wearing the jordans god knows where he's at now but <laughs> but at that time you know it's so significant to try to fit in growing mm-hmm. up um yeah. i can connect on that with you as well i i always felt like an outcast because mm-hmm. i wasn't wearing the brand names because i i wasn't flat skinny like the other girls in my age you know what i mean um everybody was dating and i wasn't dating you know mm-hmm. um so i i can i can definitely understand that and i just want our listeners to understand that as well um yeah. now I, I, reading your your um about me section on your website there was something else to add on top of that which was you hiding your sexuality mm-hmm. oh my god jimmy how yeah. did you cope in that time how did you cope with that um because it was it was a christian school i'm sure your family's very traditional like every other you know mexican household mm-hmm. how did you deal with that jimmy and that and that i i you know if you feel comfortable i just want you know if somebody that's listening to us that can connect in that sense because obviously this is not an isolated case this happens more than what we would like yeah um so at first when i like hit puberty that's when i you know started having feelings and i was like wait a minute (laughs) this ain't right uh ain't right um thank you yes (laughs) quotations (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, um, maybe this is just something it's going to go away. And then it just like, you know, th- those feelings persisted. And so I don't know, I guess maybe I think puberty was maybe between like sixth and seventh grade. That's when I started like, you know, going through those changes and stuff. And yeah, so in going to a Christian school, I was thinking, well, I have access to like the pastor. Uh, and I, I literally had this thought that I will I will go to the pastor and say, hey, can you do something like lay hands on me and, and make this go away? Like, what can we do? Like, I really and I and I I prayed since I was younger, but just like, you know, before recess, before lunch, before we went home from school. But I started praying, like praying with like my my everything to make this go away because I because it just didn't, it was something that I was taught was wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's songs like there's church. I would go to church and there's songs like, um, like homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of God. That's a line in one of the songs of for such for some of us. Anyways, there's, so I just knew that it was, it was, it was um, something that wouldn't be easy and I wanted it to go away. So, yeah, so I hit everything. Um, um, yeah, I don't, let let me let me help you um (laughs) as as a as a teenager i think you know that's i I think that's when they say like our frontal like we start gaining some type of like sense of the world and you know that's why we feel so grown up at that age right i can imagine you feeling like you're doing something wrong you're disappointing god because obviously you already had that relationship you praying you knowing what the bible says but having that feeling of what is wrong with me Mm -hmm. and why am i feeling this way which breaks my heart because and you know me and jimmy you guys um actually met before we recorded this and I got to tell him, I don't feel comfortable enough to say, you know, I always say I'm Christian. I never say with denomination or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I was raised Christian too. And I was raised that that was wrong. And I cannot even 
think about it or or ponder maybe what you were feeling inside of you, those demons that you were trying to fight or what you thought were demons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I feel as we spoke prior to this, I feel that at the end of it, you know, God is love. Yeah. And who yeah. are we to judge? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only reason why I want to go into this is because I feel like the narrative needs to change. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we get to then point the finger at everybody and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Because we're all sinning. Mm-hmm. We just sin differently. Mm-hmm. And who are we to say who's going to, you know, go where or who, only God can can deal with that. Mm-hmm. At what age did you come into realization? This is who you were. God is going to love me for who I am. Let me just be out there and be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's ever there was a, a day. I know the day that I. It's a long story, and I don't I don't want to get into this story. But no, um, it's I'll okay. Just, you don't have to. You don't have to. I'll just kind of like skim over it. But um, uh, no, there, there was no day where I just accepted it. And I, one thing I do want to say is that, um, and to at least for me to clarify, because a lot of people, especially like, um, spiritual or Christian people, want to or I, don't want to, I shouldn't say that, but. They think that it's um, a lifestyle or a choice. And I can tell you, I hope from my story that this was not something I wanted. This is not something I wanted at all. I, like I said, I'm a very quiet person. I didn't want attention. I wasn't doing this for attention. Or I, my, my mom, my dad, my grandma, everyone loved me. I was getting all the attention I needed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, needed and wanted. And there was nothing, there was no abuse or neglect. There was no... Um, you know, like nothing sexual happened that that made me like that caused some t- sort of trauma in me. This was just what it was. Just like you know, um, I'm making assumptions that you're straight, so it's you didn't make a choice for that. You just sort of like I'm making assumptions, so I'm sorry for making no, that. No, no, no. Yes, I am. I am. Yeah. Uh, so just as though you you know you didn't really choose that. It's just what it was. And I know there's so the, th- the thing is that there's way fewer gay people than there are straight people. Straight people are most, most people are straight. So I just wanted to say that, like, I, I really didn't choose this as like, um, I didn't, I didn't choose this. It was just the way it is. Um, but okay. So when I was on my 18th birthday, there was a situation with the police <laughs> and, um, I didn't do anything wrong promise. Uh, but I had to <laughs> promise I was deeply for a minute just for like overnight I had to go home and due to the circumstances, I had to explain, uh, I had to come out to my grandma okay. due to the circumstances, uh, with the police and everything and to my mom as well. And at first my grandma was like, I'm sure she knew, but at first she was like, and she'll probably hate that I'm even saying this, but she, she said like, well, do we have, don't we have the will to change? And I said, no, I, I, it was, it was that simple. It was one question. She said, do we, do, do you have the will to change to be straight? And I said, no, it doesn't work like that. I've wanted to, I've tried. I I've been wanting to, I had that girlfriend. Remember I had that girlfriend for like <laughs> a year and she, and that was it. And she's like, okay. And from then forward, she's been like the, you know, one of my supporters, like of, of many supporters. And my mom is just like this mama bear. So she just wanted to do whatever she could to protect me. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so they so were my, supportive with you. Yes, yes. Oh, so I love like, that. You know, I love that. Yeah, it was just me having my own internal struggles. struggles and suffering with all this. But as soon as I came out, I was completely supported. That's awesome. Um, and you know, I love hearing when the family supports. Yeah, because I cannot imagine. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I cannot imagine not supporting my child and not being able. And like you said, I I always think about and and this is probably the last thing because I don't want this to become a whole, you know, God conversation. But I always think about children that are just born that way. Like you said, there's no abuse. There's no trauma. There's no nothing. 
that they're mm-hmm. just born this way. I had a coworker who had a son, and since he was a, like walking toddler, like any recognition of you know being able to choose out outfits and stuff like that, he never wanted to wear uh, boys' clothes. He wanted to wear dresses. He wanted to wear like a bikini. Uh, well, not a bikini, but like a little bathing suit for girls with the little tutus. And she was really struggling with that because she was like, no, you're a boy. And, you know, and I'm like, in those senses, I don't think anybody and I don't even think there's answers in the Bible for that. I think the only one that can just answer is God. Yes. And so... um like I said, this is my last statement. Just anybody that's listening, if you guys have your own opinion, that's completely fine. You guys have your beliefs. I have my principles and my morals. I don't lead that lifestyle, but it's not my position either to judge who you, what you do behind closed doors. That's between you and God. Mm-hmm. So people just need to stop their judgment. And I'm so yeah. glad that your family was supportive, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so, um, so finally, you're living your true self. You've, you know, how did you end up being a licensed clinical social worker? Uh, it was a long, long, windy road. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. That wasn't a plan. I, I just, not at all. It was not, I didn't really know what I wanted to do until about like, <laughs> 2015 or so. I don't know. Um, so I did okay. I did well in high school. Okay. So I went to college and I went straight into psychology just because I didn't, I honestly didn't know like a specific thing I wanted to do. Okay. And it just seemed like the mind, the brain, the psyche. So like awesome and cool and, and wide open. So I, so I entered as a psychology major and dropped out in my third year just because I was still, I was doing okay. I just wasn't, I wasn't happy being in college. I moved away, like just about 30 minutes away from home. I wasn't really making friends where I was. And um, yeah, so I just dropped out. And again, my, my family was really supportive. They just thought, well, I guess that's uh, what Jimmy wants to do. And um He'll probably figure it out. So <laughs> I don't know, too, too easy going, but um, I just stopped going to school. Um, I just was working full time. I started doing community college, started dancing, like ballet, modern, jazz, hip hop, all kinds of just. That's um, so awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Was that like a natural thing for you? No, I have two left feet. But <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was it was fun. Like wow. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But um, I'm too much in my head. There are people who are just like like you know body natural. Natural. I was not that. I had so much like I had to. I'm a perfectionist, and I had to know what I was doing before I did it. And I was afraid to make mistakes. And you can't be afraid to make mistakes if you want to do anything well. You have to be afraid. You know, be willing to make mistakes. Um, but I, I did it and I met a lot of really great people. Um, like my friends who are, yeah, who are still friends of mine to this day. So I knew that that was, you know, we can talk about God this whole time. The God, God winds through the whole, this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I know that that was part of the plan too, to meet these people and to, to open this portal to my creative side and to really allow myself to make mistakes and um that's so powerful i i I love that like if i could replay it i would replay that (laughs) the magic of editing right (laughs) that is so so powerful because was that the first time jimmy in your life that you felt like you had a connection with others that you you felt like you belonged yeah really really oh no 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 don't cry because then you're gonna make me cry and trust me i ugly cry i look uglier than kim kardashian you know the the ugly kim emoji yes (laughs) don't do that (laughs) but wow so that was a powerful moment 
because these kids, these young people were just like boisterous and, and other, and they were other gay people too. And just, but didn't care. They, they were just like, so accepting. That was like my next like family that, that was formed and, and dancing. And then we would perform. So we would like go out, we'd have all these all day rehearsals and then go out and eat at Applebee's, whatever, have some margaritas or whatever. And then just like, you know, just like really form this like really fun little family. Oh, and that's oh awesome to hear. Yeah. And um, so definitely that was that was a great little detour. I took off this path. Um, eventually, I was just working at uh, I was working at Jack in the Box and then Starbucks, just like, little, you know, service jobs. And I guess I was getting tired of it. I was like mid 20s or something or I don't know, young 20s. And a friend of mine asked if I would move with her to Long Beach. And I was like, sure, that's on, that we'll do that. Just thought it spur the, you know, moment. And um, I did that, moved with her to Long Beach, started school again uh, as a communication studies major, graduated. And then at that moment, when I was going to, when I was graduating with my bachelor's degree, instead of feeling celebratory and triumphant and all those good things, I felt like, shoot, what do I do now? Like, I, and I was getting all this, this um, frustration and, and anger and even rage. And I, it's weird. Um, I was just not myself anymore. And I started seeing the therapist at, because I didn't know what I, I had no direction in my life. I hadn't, I didn't know what I was good at, what I was supposed to be doing. Dance was fun, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to be my thing. It wasn't going to be my long-term career. Uh, so I started talking to the therapist and he introduced me to just basic breath awareness. He gave me this Deepak Chopra. Um, I don't know if it was a CD or just told me to, where to find it on iTunes or whatever, but I started just simple meditation, just paying attention to my breath, just closing my eyes. And for like five minutes, just paying attention to my breath and then learning how to use that during my day, just doing like 10 like cycles of breath when I start getting frustrated or like losing my losing my grip <laughs> yeah we all and, have that we all have yeah, that. Yeah. yeah yeah and it made such a big difference and at the same time I was seeing the therapist my other friend um a, a friend said do you want to come with me to yoga so I went with her and it was hot yoga and I felt like I was gonna pass out I felt like I was gonna like I had to walk out the room but instead of walking out the room, I just did the same thing. I took the deep breaths. Like in yoga, they're talking about breath. Like yeah. throughout, right? So I realized I was just like breathing really shallow and really quick. Sorry, I'm bouncing the thing. Um, <laughs> You're fine. Like, this is on a couch. That's uh, probably how your heart was going. <laughs> right, that's perfect. <laughs> but I, I did the deep breaths and, and I realized I was calm and I could keep continue the class. And... I started going to yoga every day. I started practicing meditation um, and I started feeling more like myself again. And my therapist said, maybe you should go to school for social work. I feel like you'd be a good social worker. And I literally just went home that day, looked up the mission for the school of social work. And I was like, this really aligns with my values. So I applied and I got in just by the skin of my teeth. I just like, I was not, I didn't get in the first time. They said, you're on a wait list. And then I was like, um, okay. Um, but there are some, some spots opened up again, God, maybe <laughs> made some people not able to attend that year. So I got in and that's really what I felt. Again, this is my new place where I belong in this, in this social work school. And I, at that time, I didn't even know that once you graduate and then become licensed, that that's what a therapist is. That's what a psychotherapist is usually a LCSW LMFT licensed marriage and family therapist or a psychologist. So I didn't know that at that time, but throughout, you know, as grad school progressed, I realized, Oh, I could be a therapist. That's actually kind of something I've been doing my whole life, like with family, with friends, I've been holding space for people and just having conversations with people my whole life. Yeah. And um, I can make a living off that. <laughs> and, like, and I, you saw that as a long term yeah yes wow jimmy that is so crazy and again you know i believe yeah god always leads us to the right place um mm -hmm. where you're supposed to where you're meant to go mm -hmm. 
Now, once you started school and everything, did you just fall immediately into place? Um, I mean, it wasn't easy. <laughs> there was a lot. Of, I had to learn a lot. But this, at this point in my life, I was willing to make mistakes by, by now. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I was there. I just had to sort of figure things out. It was work, So grad school was interesting because I immediately started working with severely mentally ill people, people with um, like chronically homeless people hmm. and um, like severe mental health diagnoses, like schizophrenia or like bipolar disorder with psychosis um, and substance use, all that mixed in their meth, all that good stuff. Um, those are like my clients. Those are my people. Wow. So I just be kind of going throughout the community, taking them to the social security office, taking them to the dentist, just taking them to their appointments, um, helping them grocery shop. And how did you feel at that moment? Like once you started doing that work, did you feel like this is it? This is what I was meant to do? I mean, yeah, it was it was not glamorous, but I felt good at the end of the, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I would come home and I'm like, yeah, that's this is something that makes me feel good. Like this is something that's actually good work. I'm not selling something to people that they don't need. I'm not lying in any kind of way. I'm not. This is an honest living. Yeah. And yeah, so in that way, it felt it felt great. I was doing social work, yeah. like yeah, yeah. God's work. <laughs> yes yes oh my god and i feel like maybe in in a way you know you can connect with these people in, in a in a different level than you know any other regular or normal person could um just because you know what it is to maybe feel like that odd person or maybe you know like you don't really belong so that's right. amazing. Was that kind of healing for you as well? Yeah, it was healing for sure. And and the only difference between me and them, any of us, any of us could be one of those clients, the the homeless person or the you know person with schizophrenia or because all that is is it's trauma. Mm -hmm. And any of us could that could happen to any of us. So it's not like they did anything wrong and they like deserve to be where they are. It's no. they've experienced chaos mm -hmm. and and they grew up in a situation generally grew up in a situation situation that was chaotic and they didn't have the support like i did you know um and people look at them and point fingers and judge again with the judgment um like as though they chose to be where they're at we all make decisions and we all you know make choices given the you know circumstances the resources, circumstances mm -hmm. So, yes, a hundred percent. I agree, Jimmy, because I feel like, like you said, I think it just dawned on me maybe like a year ago. Nobody knows what they're doing in life. No. I, I mean, I thought that by the age of 30, I was going to have life figured out, you know, because you usually see 30 year olds. I mean, the, the typical 30 year old in America is, um, you know, married, established, good career, children, and all that. And that did not look like, <laughs> at 30, that did not look like that for me, you know? Um, but I love that you said, when you accepted that you could make mistakes. Yeah. We all mess up. Nobody has, like, the right way of doing, like, nobody does everything, like, perfectly, um, yeah. and I think once you learn that you unlock like a certain power inside of you where you, you become unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, yes, it's not a decision even for people that have, I believe, you know, any type of substance abuse, whether it's drugs or whether it's alcohol, whatever, um, addiction that they might have, there's a reason why they have it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not fun to have. No, no. You, I mean, on one hand, they are making the choice to use, but you don't know what what it's what they're why they're using it, what what they're trying to compensate for the pain that they're that's there as well. It's not just to go. Let me just do this because like everything's right in my life, and I just want to use this heroin. <laughs> it's not. It's um. No. 
Yes, because and and I learned that because I suffer from chronic pancreatitis since I was two, two years old. By the age, uh, by age fourteen, morphine did nothing to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful drug. Yeah. And I've always been given, you know, now I'm on dialysis. If I end up in the hospital, I'm on dialysis, which is even stronger than morphine. Um, But I never became addicted to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that I'm smarter, that I'm better than anybody that does? No, it just means that. There is really, other than, you know, medical PTSD that I have, I have no other type of trauma. Mm, yeah. I, I, I mean, my life just didn't go that way. But that doesn't mm. mean that I'm better than the ones that maybe get addicted. Like you said, mm. you just never know what somebody's going through. What if you had nothing else going on in your life? What if you had nothing to live for? No one that cared about you and you just would F it, you know? I'm just going to, let me just get some more of this Dilaudid or morphine or whatever mm-hmm. it is because I have nothing else going on. Um, I, I used to drink, so I was a bartender for a minute, um, and worked in, like I said, a service industry and then restaurants and, and, and then working as a social worker, like starting in grad school, these, these jobs were like stressful. So I would have a drink afterwards. I would have a drink or share a picture with a friend. Yeah. And, um, just because I'm like, oh, this is a stressful ass job. Um, but now, um, and it's, it's only it's recent. Um, I, I don't want to drink because I know what it does to my body. Even if it's just one drink, mm-hmm. I just want to be on top of my game, uh, you know, with 100%. every give them a hundred percent of who I am and just do the best. So I have, that's what keeps me from, from putting that poison, you know, in my body, because I know it has a, a big effect. So that's what makes me not use um, whatever it is, alcohol, just because I have other things to live for. So I think that that might be a critical difference with some people who the clients that I see um, that I saw at the, in my internships when I first started. Um, And then I didn't mention this yet, but working at the jail, I worked at the jail for at the Los Angeles County jail in the twin tower for five years. (gasps) And Los Angeles out of all the places. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay, how was that? Crazy. <laughs> how long were you there for? Five years from 2015 to 2020. Wow. Right, yeah, so right I, when the pandemic hit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right in the first year of the pandemic um, is when I left. Not necessarily, it was just a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I was in the in the Twin Towers. If anyone knows the Los Angeles County Jail, there's like the Men's Central, which is like the general population, the GPs, and then there's Twin Towers where people with like mental health issues, the history of mental health, or taking psych meds or whatever, or if they say they're suicidal, um, are. So I was in the Twin Towers, the mental health side, in like the underground underbelly in the <laughs> it's the inmate reception center, oh my and goodness. um, so when they Pretty much when they first get arrested, um, they'll come through there to, to get their medical assessments and, and mental health to, for their housing and if they need medications. Um, so I would just see them face to face and do the assessment and then get them housed. But it, it wasn't therapy. It was just assessment, quick, quick assessment. They, they, some people called it triage, um, just getting them kind of in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that wasn't fulfilling at all for me. Um, it was a job and, and it paid well, but I wasn't satisfied. Uh, but can yeah. I, can I ask, how do you deal with that? Because in, in the field that you're in, triage was probably not ideal because it's really hard from, maybe speaking to somebody for five, 10 minutes, whatever the time was, even an hour is not enough, I think, to really know what that person is going through. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, Jimmy, what would that do to your own mental health? Yeah. Um, 
I had to learn. It's kind of, yeah, to compartmentalize, to just sort of like let go of things. Um, I, I did when in the beginning, when I first started working there, I would go home. And I think I told you this when we talked last time, um, I would walk home from like the, the twin towers to my car and that walk from the towers to my car, to the parking lot, I would just feel be overcome with a feeling of dread mm-hmm. of like, shoot, did I make the right decision? Did I house them correctly? Did I, did I cross all my T's and dot all my I's? And is that person going to be okay? Like that person that I released, are they going to be okay? Um, it, it was so much going on my, and I would get home and then I would try to tell my partner and he was just like, la, 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 I don't, I can't hear that. I can't hear all that. That's like, too much. don't come home with all that. <laughs> and so I would have to make a ritual to just like, like one of my coworkers said, you have to, you cannot take that work home with you. You have to let that stay here. You go home and you just, you know, you separate this uh, work from your life. That's so hard though. That is so hard. Um, because I cannot even imagine, especially with the type of person that you are, I can tell you're very caring. Um, you're very thoughtful. And like you said, you're a perfectionist. Mm. So to know that somebody's life might be in your hands. Ooh, how long did it take you to kind of overcome those thoughts and kind of get a hold of yourself and be able to leave that at home? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that place definitely was just not a match for me. Or, I'm sorry, to leave that, not at home, to leave that at, at work. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. Because you said you were there for five years. You were there for five years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long it took. It, it, because it probably just, ne- it wasn't really fully gone. It was never fully like, oh yeah, I don't, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I do my job and I do well and it's fine. They're fine. I don't think I ever got to that point. I think there was always like a little bit of that lingering shoot. Did I do everything I could have done? Like what's, because it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't therapy and I don't know how much it was helping. Yeah. There's a, we could have a, we could have a whole discussion on mental health treatment as it exists in our, in the, um, at the twin towers, but in, we could talk about jail and prison and the services that exist and don't exist. And, what it's actually doing and um is is there rehabilitation taking place and there's so much to talk about the penal code the culture in the jail there's there's so much to talk about um no yeah and i think that would be like a whole episode and i don't even think in an hour we can do a whole episode on that because there is a lot and i'm talking as somebody that has never been in that field but seeing you know certain cases now that we have like documentaries and there's so much awareness but seeing how people come out of there and i mean the success rate of them being normal normal because i don't really feel like there's a normal yeah, re-enter society, reintegrate back into the community. It's very it's not- low for successfulness. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, wow. And I remember the last time we spoke, you mentioned, you know, you finally found um, a way to maybe exit that and then start on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm excited to get to that because that yeah. includes, you know, uh, possibly the listeners being able to reach out to you. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, speak be- to you. So now you're doing things from home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I left the jail in 2020 um, and just have been doing private practice for the last two years. Um, and I had an office, but then it was the, the. So let me let me rewind. OK. I became licensed in 2017. OK. Um, and once you're licensed, you can practice psychotherapy. So. Um, you can practice before, before that, as long as you're working under a licensed person. But I became licensed in 2017. Um, an old supervisor from a previous job reached out to me and she said, hey, there's we're looking for therapists at this group place at this um, office. And I said, well, yeah, I'm licensed, but I I don't have any experience. And she said, yeah, you can come and get experience here. So oh. I started working on weekends. So I did jail during the week. Weekends, I would pra- do private pra- or practice at this um, other, other 
agency. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, that I start, so I did that for maybe just a year and then I moved to another, another place. And so just kind of on the side. And then, um, and then the pandemic hit and um, I just stopped my lease because people weren't seeing people face to face. So luckily my lease ended and I started doing virtual, just virtual from home. And, um, and that was going well. I it was, you know, I was making like my business cards and my website, doing all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And my little stamps with that symbol, that little symbol yes. you're talking about. Yes. It's, you know, all kinds of like little things. So I had, it was fun because I had my regular job and then just like this passion project on the side. And I was, I, I watched some like a zoom conference with a, another mentor of mine one day in 2020 during the pandemic. And she was talking about how, I, I don't even remember what the topic was, but whatever she said inspired me to say, this is it. I'm quitting jail and going full-time just self-employment. I can do this. And it was such an overwhelming feeling. And that, again, God weaving through, it was that feeling of, of decisiveness. And as soon as I decided, I started getting all these calls um, just coming out of nowhere from people that said, Hey, I, I heard you um, are a therapist. Can we have a consultation just out of the blue? And I didn't do anything different except for make an internal decision in my mind and in my heart. And that just reverberated out, out there. And it just happened. Now, now quick question. Yeah. When you made that decision, okay, I'm going to quit my job. Was there like any doubt or any fear in you? Like, Oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Can I make it? Like, Nope. Really? If it, if it popped in, I like swatted it away. Like I said, no, because that's, that emotion is the thing that I believe creates this, this, the future, the reality. So if I'm living in fear or anxiety, that's not a good, that's not sustainable. So as soon as it would creep in, I would say, I would alchemize it, <laughs> change that feeling into something that was more suitable to what I wanted. And of course, that's cut, that came from this uh, privilege of where I was at. I had my regular job. I have a license. I have an education. Uh, I'm a male. I, you know, I'm, so I have all these privileges, right? I do want to acknowledge those. But no, as far as like, I'm not going to make it. What am I doing? I was like, no, it's possible. Why can't I? I see all these other people out here making it. Like, why can't I? I love that. I love, love that. Because we are our worst enemies. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've realized. And I want, you know, all the bayas that are listening to us to understand you can do anything that you put your mind to. And you have to trust in yourself. You cannot mm-hmm. have cheerleaders your whole life because sometimes mm-hmm. they're not there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be your own cheerleader. And so you yeah. saying, you know, and I think maybe it helped you, too, that you were already, you know, um, you had already learned how to meditate, how to connect with yourself, how to connect with God, that that helped you to really have that confidence in you. 100 percent. I wouldn't have been able to 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 feel that way and to succeed if I didn't have that as a foundation. So when I first, when that therapist said, here, listen to this meditation, uh, breath exercise that God told him to do that. You know, when my friend said, do you want to come with me to this yoga class? And it further empowered me to learn how to control my breath and to notice where I was holding tension in my body and to let that go. Those were foundations that needed to happen first before I can get to this point of knowing I can quit my job and do whatever I want to do from this point forward. It wasn't overnight. No, no. I had to learn to become mindful of what emotions were there. Yes. And to be aware of when doubt or fear did creep in. Most people don't have those mindfulness skills of just being able to, to observe what they're thinking or to observe what they're feeling. They're just, you know, tossed about by their emotions and their thoughts. And they don't even realize it. (laughs) me i feel like i need to schedule a session with you (laughs) because in a hundred percent i'm being honest here 
even when I started this podcast a year ago, I was like, who am I? Who's going to listen to me? Like, who cares what I have to say? But the sense of connecting with others and sharing my chronic illness on the internet and, and having those connections that I had never had in my life before completely yeah. changed my life. Yeah. But I still have those intrusive thoughts mm -hmm. and I still fight those negative feelings. And I've recently and I feel like I need a little bit more coaching. That's where I would reach out to you um, because I want to be able to connect with myself and my thoughts and feel those feelings in a, um, what is it called? In a healthy way. Mm -hmm. in a healthy way because I feel like we try to avoid certain feelings we shouldn't try to avoid <laughs> it's like no. we're human it's okay to feel uh -huh. but we're always taught of like you know to have that fear I'm so sorry if you guys can hear my trash man <laughs> it's trash day <laughs> but um um what was I gonna say um yeah I need a session because so the other thing that I had read on your website was Reiki master. Am I saying it properly? Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. Reiki. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, Reiki. Can you explain to us what that is, Jimmy? Uh, sure. Um, so as a word, key is life force energy. So a key is like just energy that's kind of like flowing in our bodies, in our aura, in every living thing and in inanimate objects, it's just like the, there's a life energy, life force energy in it. Ray is spirit, divine source, God. So Reiki is an energy. It's like spiritual energy or spiritual wisdom. And there's a million ways to explain it. And I, I was thinking if you asked me this, how I would explain it in my own way. Uh, so Reiki is it's it's um well, let me just explain so uh, so a, a session would be so say you would come to to my treatment room to my studio here i have a couple of treatment rooms oh, nice. um yeah so it's uh you would we would talk for like at least an hour and you would just tell me whatever's going on in your life um maybe some issues some problems maybe even physical things like i'm not a doctor but a lot of times our physical symptoms are manifestations of something emotional or a belief or a narrative we have and it, and it manifests into any number of physical things it's all connected it's all connected and there's a lot of books about the study of that like what our body is telling us based on if it's having to do with arthritis or headaches or chest pain or back you know so it's all there's a message in all that um so we would go over that and then we would take a little break um use the restroom whatever and then i have a massage table uh it's not it's a just a, like a like a massage table okay. uh, but you remain clothed. You maybe just take your shoes off and I would cover you with a little blanket, get you comfortable. Um, and um, so every Reiki practitioner does it a little bit differently. I, I like to play a sound bowl, you know, those little sound bowls. Oh, I love those sounds. Sometimes I go to sleep with those sounds. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I might do a chant. You don't even have to know what I'm talking, saying. I don't know what I'm chanting. It's just like a, like a, um, it's just the sound can, can be, have a healing effect. Um, and the words also, um, but it's all love. It's, it's all love. Um, and so when the Reiki, the session starts, um, I place my hands either gently on or hover my hands above your different energy centers and every energy center on your body governs different uh, functions of the body or different area of your life. Okay. Um, and sometimes we have blockages, so our energy is not fully flowing. So I will do every single energy center just to make sure everything's unblocked and flowing, but there might be some areas where there's a particular bigger blockage and it could be just, you know, it could be a perception we have, it could be like something we haven't fully processed in our past or in our present, some worry about the future. Um, but there's something just, even if you don't, you know, you can't really relate to the energy part of it all coming to talk with someone like me and me just holding space for you kind of talking about it. Maybe some, no one else 
well, you, maybe you can't talk with anyone else about this. And then to have someone just kind of place their hands on you. It's kind of like a mother or a father, like placing their hands on their child when their child's like sick or something like that. It's just this form of compassion, this exchange of love. And it's, that's, it's just that it's like, I just want the highest and the greatest good for the, the client. I, um, and they, you're in LA, you're two hours yeah. away from me. I need to Where come you? see you. <laughs> Where are you? I San forgot. Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to come see you because I do believe in energy. I do huh? believe, um, you know, we, our bodies hold on to things. I, I've been huh? reading the book, um, The Body Keeps Score. Yeah, so that's right there. It's in my no bookshelf. way. I love it. And, yeah. you know, and I honestly believe I've I've had chronic illness um, since I was two. Like I mentioned, the chronic pancreatitis. And in at age 32, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through genetic department. I've gone through every testing you can think of. And yeah. the doctors are stuck on how did I end up this sick? Nobody yeah. in my family has it. And I'm like, am I carrying around like generational curses? Am mm-hmm. I carrying around that trauma that maybe my great, great, great grandmother was carrying? You know what I mean? Because I feel yeah. like everything's connected. Yeah. And the body is so resilient, but at the same time, we don't know how to listen to our bodies yeah. because of all the distractions that are going on. Um, I have a big sense of energy. And so even, you know, I said to you, I said this to you off camera, um, and, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it with the public, but the first time that we met, the connection that I felt with you and just the ease of the conversation. Like I honestly wish I didn't have anything else to do that day. So I could have just sat there and talked to you all day, but it felt so good. Like you just, you made my day that day. It felt so genuine and just such a calm. I don't know how to explain it. And you know, people that might be listening are going to be like, what the heck Maribel? But, (laughs) but, um, but it's just, it, 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 I think it, it is very important for us to take care of our bodies and learn how to listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I've never, ever, you know, um, met somebody that was a Reiki. And I'm so sorry if I pronounce it wrong. <laughs> but yeah. um, but because all I know, I all I or the imagination that I had, I don't know if you ever saw the show Friends. Mm-hmm. When Phoebe sends Ross with her Reiki to remove whatever growth he had, like that's all I, that's, that was my perception. So that's why I had to ask. I haven't seen that episode, but I hope they, I hope they represented Reiki well. No. I don't know. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, but this sounds amazing. And the fact that you reach out. So now kind of fast forwarding all that, you know, um, where are you in your life? Like, how do you feel now doing what you're doing? Um, uh, uh, I'm, it's a weird place. It's a weird place. <laughs> it's a really weird place, but it's a great place. It's very mixed. It's, it's, um, I love what I'm doing and I'm so happy. I'm just so happy that all the things happened. This might be the time where I cry, but I'm just, I'm just really grateful, really grateful for all the, all the nudges, the, you know, when God was talking to me and even when there was like major things that were sort of disruptive in my life, that was also God like shouting a little bit louder (laughs) to me at me. And um, I, I get it now. And um, I had a, so one thing is I had a 15 year relationship. Um, wow. You look year. so young. How, I'm Thank so sorry. You. Do you mind, do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 38. I think I'm 38. Yeah. 38. From where, Jimmy? <laughs> From where? You look so young. Um, thank you. Um, no, yeah, I'm 38. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was really young when I, um, started this relationship with this person. And so, yeah, it was like 15 years monogamous. Like we lived together for 15 years and just last year, uh, we separated, we split up. So that was big to hear that. Yeah. It's been tough, but also I think we're both, um, we've, we've kept communication. So we're in good, we're, we're good. Um, 
but that was huge. Um, and then um, I I have a, a roommate, um, a friend, but uh, starting next month, I'll be here by myself. Like, uh, so I'm going to be for the first time living alone. Uh, this this will be my place. Um, and Is I'm it like, the first time in your life? Yeah. Oh, because I've always had a partner. And then even before that, I was in school and had roommates and stuff. So this is the first time of actually being fully independent. Wow. And just life and having to make my own money and pay my own bills. I mean, I've always paid my own bills, but yeah. 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 So it's exciting because uh, everything's on my own terms right now. I don't, on my own terms, I don't have a partner. I don't have a boss. I don't have anything. So this is all just me. And it's, it's like, it's really overwhelming. It's really like overwhelming. But have, is, it, um, is it a bad overwhelming or is it like oh, a good no. overwhelming? It's like, I feel the trust and I feel the faith. And this is like when I feel, you know, being, feeling carried, like being held by, by God. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's so powerful, Jimmy. I'm so happy for you. Um, you know, the fact that you're 38, I'm tripping on that <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> how, Jimmy, what? That is so crazy. So I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm going to be 36 in two weeks. I was, I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering. But I want to ask. I'm going to be 36 in two weeks. Um, and I feel like. I'm slowly getting there. I'm not a hundred percent, you know, at that place, but hearing that you're there, that you're happy, that you're content, um, that you enjoy what you do. I admire you. I really do. I really, really do. And I hope that everybody that is tuning in and for those of you that are listening, please go find Jimmy, (laughs) please. Jimmy Cabrera therapy.com. Yeah. Yes. I memorized it. <laughs> That's a big accomplishment, trust me. Yeah. Um, and I'll go ahead and put everything here on the screen and in the description box of this episode. Um, you, I saw that you have many services that you offer, Jimmy, and they're affordable. They're very affordable. I, I always say if you can afford Starbucks, you can afford to go find yourself some good therapy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think compared to like other therapists, um, I think I, I don't want to be, you know, too high priced. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the, the consultation is always a free consultation. So just call, just call me, just hit me up, email me or go through the website. If you go to my, either one of the social media, uh, my Instagrams, like Jimmy, the therapist or Jimmy Cabrera therapy, there's in the link um has a link to the free consultation so just yeah okay just i i mean it, it doesn't you won't lose anything by reaching out to jimmy one last question jimmy are yeah. is only people that are within california that can hit you up because we do have um listeners from all across the united states and a few from outside of the united states that's the thing so yes to, um Officially, yes. Uh, I'm only licensed in California, okay. so anywhere in California. But there's also I'm I'm sort of switching into this these other this other form of holistic treatment that I is not psychotherapy because psychotherapy is only limited to California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you are looking for other maybe spiritual coaching or um, you know wanting to talk with me about other forms of healing and it's, and, but you're clear that it's not psychotherapy. It's just everything that I've experienced in my life and whatever wisdom I can share. And I don't give advice. It's, it's just listening, processing, reflecting, sharing, sharing hunches and uh, following my intuition. If, if that's something you're interested in, then it doesn't matter where you are. Okay. Still here. I love that. And I just wanted to make that clear just in case, you know, somebody that's listening to us in Florida, you know, you can still reach out to him, but it might just look a little bit different. Um, God, it has been such a pleasure, Jimmy. I 
I really hope we can keep in touch. I will definitely be saving up so I can go see you because I would <laughs> love to meet you. I mean, if I feel this connection through just the phone calls that we've had, I can yeah. I can only imagine in person. And I love LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. right? It's going to be hot for the, like the rest of the year. So, yeah, I would love to see you. Yes, I, we will be meeting. I promise. Okay. I promise. Okay. Um, I was born in Lincoln Heights. So, oh, really? Yeah. So I'm from LA. I still have family out there. So we mm. do go up every so often. Um, and I think next year, since Universal's opening up the Mario World, I think we're going to oh, get passes. Yeah. So I'll be going to that. <laughs> I'll I be in LA a lot. Yeah, I saw that. I was just there and I saw that some of the stuff going up, but it wasn't up yet. I'm so excited. Because have you seen the Japan one? It's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy, well, it was a pleasure. Everybody go find him. Um, I will leave all of his information on the description box. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you guys have a good day. I want you to join the conversation, share your story or give feedback on a subject by heading over to embracingmymarkings.com to submit the guest form. If you would like to support this podcast, you can become a supporter by following the link in the description box. Your monthly donations helps me sustain for future episodes. Or you can also simply visit my online store on the website embracingmymarkings.com.